Hey there, welcome to the Quantum Leap podcast. And today on the show, we're super excited because we've got a really special guest with us. Uh, we have with us executive producer, Dean Georgiaris. Dean, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you all for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for your time joining us. Sure. Before we get into some of the nuts and bolts of Quantum Leap specifically, um, it'd be really great to understand a little bit, a little bit more about you and about what's what it entails being an executive producer. Can you tell us a bit about, well, firstly, maybe about your, maybe about your history and the, the previous films and shows you've been involved in? Yeah, sure. I, um, you know, I'm one of those people who uh, I'm moved out to Los Angeles to be in the movie business a long, a long time ago, because I'm old. Um, and I was, I, I started in film. I wrote, I sold my first film when I was 25 and I spent a couple of decades actually basically in primarily in the movie business. And, and, you know, and back then when I got in movie and TV, like that, those they were two separate worlds. There was no like, Oh, I do both. Um, and also when I started, you know, TV was three networks basically, and maybe HBO. And, um, and over time, you know, the, the kinds of storytelling that I was most interested in, frankly, shifted from being the storytelling you do in the movies to the storytelling that you're doing on TV. And this wonderful thing happened for writers, which is television kind of became this forum where you could kind of do really ambitious projects like Game of Thrones. Like you can do sort of novel sized things. At the same time, you can still, we still have network television doing these you know, these very satisfying, oftentimes more close-ended sto and thematic stories, um, which I guess is a long way of saying when I started um, movies was what I loved and what I ended up finding is television is what I love. And in particular, uh, I actually love network television and I was, I, I created a few shows and then um, was fortunate enough to get a call to come and join the Quantum Leap team very early, very early in production, not very early in their full process, but early in production. And, you know, every now and then you just, you jump into a situation and you're like, wow, it's actually just a great situation. And, and that's what, what happened to me. I jumped in and I didn't know Martin Guerra before we started. And now he's one of my best friends and it's easily one of my favorite partnerships I've ever had. I didn't know the cast and not only they super talented, but they're lovely. It's just, it's, it's been a stressful situation at times because running a network show is stressful, but you know, if you made a list of like kind of a dream scenario in terms of, boy, it would be great if the department heads were nice and talented and if the network was supportive and if the, like, that's <laughs> what quantum leap has going for it, you know, whether we can then succeed is, you know, we certainly, we're, we, uh, we have the resources to succeed and hopefully we'll, we will and we'll continue to. So when people hear that you're the executive producer, they say, oh, that sounds like some head muckety muck suit. But right. can you actually just for the sake of the viewers and for my sake, honestly, just tell everybody what exactly an executive producer is responsible for both, you know, in, I guess, the creatively and nuts and bolts wise. Sure. Uh, and I'm going to make a distinction because there are executive producers whose connection to the show may be like, say, they created it, like 
Don and Deborah. Like, and by the way, Deborah's on the show on set every day. And it's one of the most remarkable women you'll ever meet or people you'll ever meet. But um, I am what's basically known as a showrunner. Martin and I are the showrunners. And so I think what you're really asking is what's a, what's a showrunner do? Um, and basically, so a showrunner is kind of like the head chef at a restaurant. Like when it's all said and done, the episodes you see, it's Martin and my responsibility. Everything about it is our responsibility. Like, and in some cases that means we've helped with the writing or worked on the writing, but it's certainly our job. We work with the writers and we're in the room. Um, we're the ones who come help come up with the ideas. We take it from conception all the way to what you see. Um, and so on a daily basis, what that actually means is spending a lot of the day is with the writers in the writer's room and early in the season, that's talking about the season as a whole. And then you're going episode by episode. So for example, this week we were working on the first episode of season two. Um, and that's say four or five hours of your day. And then you may pop over to the set because you have an episode filming and talk with the director or talk with the actors. Um, and then you may pop on another Zoom and look at a cut of an episode that you're in post-production on um, and, and make changes on that. And then you may get called to go look at a location on an episode you're in pre-production on because you, know, you wrote it for a big hallway and they got there and there's a tiny, tiny hallway. What are we going to do? So it's, it's actually a show running is one of the most, to me, it's the most exciting job in, in storytelling side of show business. Um, because you get to do sort of a little bit of everything. Um, uh, and also you get to work with a lot of people. And one of the things about writing can be lonely, you know, especially like movie writing is really lonely at times. Um, television writing is, is always sort of a group process, except maybe when you're off a draft and show running is really is like being a CEO of a, of a company. Like you're constantly interacting with, creative all you know creative people whose talent you know i'm talking to designers i'm talking to actors it's so it's so exciting i get to talk to all these talented people and just basically try to set the stage so they can do what they do really well and get out of their way um how much freedom do you have as a showrunner were there things that you were asked specifically to incorporate or are there things that maybe were left over from when the show was conceived were there any sort of things that you needed to put into it so you know the process of being a showrunner frankly whether you are the person who's on from day one or you ever have to step in it's always a collaboration with certainly with your network partners and your studio partners in terms of here's where you want to go with the story. And then they have their wants and needs too. Um, and sometimes those conflict, um, but not, not often. Um, and so frankly, I mean, the, look, the honest answer to your question is we have a ton of freedom. Um, but at the same time, there are a lot of natural boundaries to what we can do. Like, you know, things like how much money we have to spend and how much time we have to shoot it and where to shoot it. And, um, you know, there are all the, it's such a, in a way that one of the most exciting parts of the job is this kind of nuts and bolts of, okay, in a perfect world, 
I'd love to write an episode about this. And it's like, okay, well, you would need 14 days to film that and you have eight. And you would need $7 million to film that and you have three. And so it's sort of figuring how to do the best version of what you want, but with the resources you have. And, and to be clear that it's not like those resources are particularly limiting. It's just, they are, you know, those are your boundaries. And I, I find it really exciting to see how creative we can be within the boundaries. Um, but in terms of actual creative freedom, we're, we're given a lot of creative freedom. I think in season one of Quantum Leap, you know, what when Martin and Martin had been on sort of as an overseeing executive producer from conception, but it wasn't, but he wasn't really involved in the day-to-day mapping of things. Um, and then he and I sort of came in to do that right around the second, when the first episode was, well, no, it was before the first episode aired, but we were early in production. And so we, the only thing we didn't have the freedom to do was to sort of depart from the basic scenario of season one, which was Ben song has leapt. Why has he leapt? We're going to tell stories with the modern team and the leap, which is obviously a departure from the original, you know, like that, the structure was set up. Um, so we were a little limited that way. It wasn't like, okay, well, let's just solve that in episode four and then completely reinvent things. Cause that <laughs> felt disingenuous, sure. but you know, what we were going to do with that journey, we've had, you know, a lot of really, the net, I mean, the network is incredibly supportive of the show and they have been with things like the early renewal. Um, you know, they're, hmm. they're, they've been great partners on this. They've been great partners on this. Have you had to find, because, I mean, obviously the the season was mapped out, but presumably with multiple outs based on whether there was a, a short run, a, mid, a mid-length run, a full season run, whether or not there was a renewal. Right. So there was already, I guess, that flexibility from the start. Did you inject any any additional creativity yeah, no, in there? I mean, look, the truth is we we were in early enough that it actually wasn't all mapped out from the start. Like what was mapped out was the start. Right. The start was mapped out. Um, yeah. but what the, what the solution to the mystery was going to be when we were going to find out the pieces, what we were going to do with all the players that actually hadn't been mapped out yet. And, and so I think that's actually, you know, Allison sort of circle back to what you said. That's why we had as much creative freedom as we did is we sort of had the starting line, but we had, we had, we could go almost anywhere we wanted to with it. we, we always, Martin and I always talked about essentially, Martin had this thing where he said, if we don't get a back order, like in the long run, it's not like no one's going to care about the show, but he was always thinking positively in terms of, we are going to get 18 episodes to tell this story. We are going to tell a complete story in season one, at least uh, you know, if we, if we've proposed a mystery to the audience, we're going to solve the mystery um, and we're going to solve it in episode 18. And so if they had not given us a back order, I'm sure we would have done something to, to, to truncate it and give you a, some conclusion, but admittedly it would have been a rushed conclusion because we were not, telling the story at that pace. He sort of, I think 
by now we're on episode 10. You, you all probably have a pretty good feel for about the speed at which we're on, you know, we're, we're giving you an 18 episode sort of speed. So that would, um, that's, that was our out. And like, I know people have talked about early on when Ian says, it's going to take between 10 and 20 leaps. And it's like, yes, we, we did. We did do that as sort of, it wasn't, we weren't, we weren't doing that so much to protect us as we were. Like we knew that we're like, we're going to get somewhere between 10 and 20 episodes. So sort of like, I'm going to say it was an inside joke, but it was like, Hey, like, let's just, you know, let's just say the truth. (laughs) So you discussed having come in early enough where you could map out the full creative vision for the season, no matter how long it was. But I mean, the fact of the matter is that the original pilot script as presented had Sam Beckett as a character. And had Scott become involved uh, at this point, we know he hasn't. He's he's probably not going to. But had he become involved, would the show be in, in many ways very different? Did you have to like pivot whether or not Scott was going to say yes or no? No, I mean, by the time we, you know, I think, you know, Scott and he did that lovely thing that he released that lovely statement, I think, right, as we, the pilot was about to air, sort of like why he had, didn't, wasn't involved, but anyway, it was very classy. But so I, I think my first day working on the show was around July 22nd. And we all, there was no possibility in our minds that Scott was going to be involved in the breaking of our season at that point. Like, you know, Martin has a brilliant storyline, in my opinion, for, for a Sam story, if, we, if and when we, we get to tell it. Um, and I think that's great to have because, you know, we're in a unique position. We're not a reboot. Um, we're not a direct sequel, right? We're not... Um, so we need to be prepared to tell a story uh, that we think will will satisfy audiences and satisfy, frankly, Scott, because I think in a way he's the guardian of that character, you know, in a way that Deborah's the guardian of, of both shows. Scott's the guardian of his character, and especially with Dean Stockwell having passed, like I think he's very much the guardian of the first show now. Um, and so... But no, we. You know, this is this show has been designed to be a show where, hopefully, one day we will be able to bring the two shows together. But of course, we need to live independently. Not just because, frankly, of whether Scott's interested, but because there'll be a large portion of our audience that hasn't been isn't familiar with the original and sort of any kind of good storytelling demands that your story stand on itself. You know what I mean? Like the Star Trek universe is the best example of that. Like Deep Space Nine and Next Generation. It's like you could have never watched Next Generation and Deep Space Nine makes sense. So we need to write it as if you've never seen it. Blast me to this group. But we, the show needs to be a show that works if you didn't know there was an original. Um, sure. Um, but but yeah. I, listen, nothing would make us happier than to to earn the opportunity to to find and connect with the Sam character, at least as we see it. I noticed uh, watching the season uh, as it moves along, I feel that it has more and more of the heart of the original show. Uh, when you got the call and agreed to be the showrunner for the new incarnation of Quantum Leap, 
did you uh, have a history with Quantum Leap, or did you go back and uh, watch some of the episodes? I had uh, I had the I had a history of it was sort of one of I would say a dozen shows of my youth that I absolutely loved. I, I had seen every episode, um, but I was not like a, I'm not. You know more about the original show than I do. Like I, I feel very comfortable saying that. Like and. I made a conscious decision not to um, because I was really worried about being too influenced by what they did for a whole host of reasons, right? It's a different, it's, we have a different audience. We have a different, we have eight, I think like eight minutes less to tell story. Like there's so many differences at this point that, trying to duplicate that show would be a disaster in my opinion. So I actually made the decision not to, to, to watch it before. Um, but right from the get go and sort of talking to Deborah, you know, when quantum leap, I think works best, both of them, but certainly ours when it works best. Um, ben is Ben leaps into a situation where, either he or the person that he's connected to has is going through something we can all relate to. We may not be able to relate to the circumstance like, Oh, I have to win a fight tomorrow <laughs> against the guy who's going to kick my butt, but we can relate to what it feels like when you have a sibling in trouble and, and you feel like I don't know how to help them or we, you know what I mean? So, so I think the notion of the show having heart has always been, We've always known it as a room, and I think, you know, look, one of the challenges of a, of a complex mythology in a science fiction show on network TV is you've got a checklist of things you have to establish. And by their, by their nature, some of those are not particularly emotional. You know, like there's just the actual, like, the mystery can't feel that emotional right away. It's just like, why did Ben leap? That's cool. And ooh, he's forgotten Addison. That's cool. But your heart's not breaking for Addison too much in episode one, no matter how wonderful Caitlin acts it, because you're, these people are all brand new to you. Um, and so I think what was what was satisfying was, I think when, when I heard Allison say after the third episode, this is the first one that started to feel like the original to her. <laughs> and, and, and to all of you, that felt like right on time to me. Like, I don't think we could have gotten there much faster. Um, and also, shows really do take time to find their legs. I mean, I, I, especially when you don't get to write the whole season and film the whole season before you present it, right? Like, there are streaming shows where they, they've filmed the whole thing. And then they, you know, we... We do learn the show as you see it. It makes it a little bit, I think, in some ways more exciting for an audience because, like, it's it hasn't been completely worked over and there's no malleability. You know, we've, we, we've definitely responded not just really to the audience, but what to we as storytellers have seen as we've gone on. We're like, okay, oh, that worked better than we thought. Oh, oh, darn, that didn't work. Or as well as we thought. So um, I just, it, it's, you know, what doesn't change 
is, look, I think we all want to believe that somehow the universe will send us some version of a Sam when we need it. And I, you know what I mean? That version might be a phone call from a friend on a dark day. Like, I, you know, I believe the universe does work that way. I do believe, you know, when we, in our times of need, there are answers and there is help. And I think what makes the original show so special and what I think we were trying to stay true to is that part of it, that, that every week people walk away and say, yeah, like that's the, I want to live in that world. I want to live in a world where maybe Ray, you know, maybe Raymond Lee will, will jump into someone in my life and give me an assist because we all need assists. You know, it's, it's, um, it's funny. Like there was so many shows and movies about superheroes. This is a show about, couldn't be, this is a show about how ordinary people, how important ordinary people can be to one another. You know what I mean? Like ultimately one of the things I like is, you know, Ben doesn't ever do anything where people are like, Oh my God, he lifted a car. Oh my God. He, you know, he doesn't have any superpower. He's a, he's a human being. And yet look at what he's able to do, like change life after life every week. And that's the heart of the show. And I think, I hope that, you know, we're adhering to that if, if nothing else. As you guys came in, um, we're talking about the heart of the show and trying to capture that legacy, maintaining that legacy, which I know you guys are working hard towards. And, you know, having Ray and Caitlin as your central uh, force to do that is a real get because they're amazing on screen together. And just the empathy that that Raymond can can portray is is incredible. But you also had a, a whole different side, a whole new universe to play with because you got to go back to the project every week as well. So, I mean, when you were developing that side of it, which was basically largely undeveloped from the original series, we did see it uh, maybe two or three times tops. Um, what was your mandate there? And um, how, how did you sort of make the creative decisions that you did for that? Well, you know, I think it's one of the things that's sort of most exciting about the show is that we that it's not just a leap centric show. Um as storytellers, it's certainly one of the most challenging um, um, because in a way you're asking the audience to split their attention. Um, and even if you, you know, and, and in most successful episodes, it does feel like a whole, but the reality is we are saying to you, I know, okay, we're going to cut away from Ray and Caitlin now, and we're going to cut to this other story. Um, what I really liked about it, besides the fact that um, Ernie Mason and Nanrissa are incredible, um, is I think this season I like the element of, okay, they're going to help work on leaps, but they're going to also start to solve a mystery. And then the mystery is going to start to reflect back on themselves. And is it, can they, is there, is there a traitor amidst, is there, you know, what, I like I like that we can do that, and I and I like that we frankly get to explore people outside of of who is doing the leap and who's being the hologram. Like there are a lot of really interesting questions that come up from this project. If you take a giant step back, like should you be doing it? Like should you do it if you can't choose who you're helping? Like um, and having a present day team gives us that freedom. I think. Speaking longer term, 
whether it be for our show or just sort of the quantum leap universe in general, I think there's much more you can do with present day characters that, and I think we'll start to get to do that in season two, once you're not just solving a mystery, once you can be actually looking at, okay, well, what is it costing their lives to help these people? You know, like we, we try to touch on that through Caitlin character Addison a little bit right and I think in episode nine um you know certainly one of the things I, I enjoyed about the uh, choices we made was as soon as we decided that episode eight was going to say I leapt to save you I was very excited for Addison to be like well thanks for nothing <laughs> like like that makes no sense on about 15 levels and I'm not sure it makes sense to me and my worldview of love like to keep that a secret from me. Um, so we've got to see the cost there, but I think going forward, the questions and costs and choices about being someone who supports a, a Ben, you know what I mean? Supports a Sam Beckett. It's like, you know, there's, there's costs to that. And, and there are questions that come up. And I think what's really smart about the choice Stephen and Brian made to, one, to make it a love story, although that brings challenges too, but make it a love story and give us present characters is there are a lot of things we can do with it. Once you make a choice for the season, at that point, you then have to stay in your lane, right? So in this first season, why did Ben leap? You, you never want to stray too far from that, even in the present. Um, but once you solve that, then you can pick a whole new lane for your present day characters, if that makes sense. Like, um, and I'm really excited about that. I think, I think, you know, there are a lot of versions of a quantum leap show, you know, like what I mean by that is there, there's, there's a more romantic version. There's a more sinister version. There's a version there. You could do a political conspiracy version. Like there could be used just using the technology. You could do so many different kinds of shows. I think we'll always stay on the basic formula of the heart, heart, heart and helping people like that's because that's what makes the show work to me. I, I'm really intrigued. And speaking as someone who is obsessed with the love story element, I'm really intrigued by the, the fact you just dropped in there. That causes some challenges. Could you talk a bit more about? Well, about sure. That? I'm sure. As I, as I think this this group has observed, you know. I mean, we're talking about a love story, to be clear, between two characters who can't touch one another. We're talking about a love story where they really have no shared experience that the audience sees except for the leap and the occasional flashback. So what I mean by that is when you think of a classic love story, like, say, Romeo and Juliet, like you get to see them fall in love. You get to see that people around them don't think that's such a great idea. You get to see them sneak off. You get, you're watching the love evolve. And by the nature of a hologram and a leaper, you're, you, you can't go too far in terms of evolving their love story. You know what I mean? Like it, you, we're doing it and we're trying to do it, but there are a whole hosts of creative opportunities that are off, in my opinion, I should say, only in my opinion, are off the table. Like, for example, how do you turn this, how would you turn this into a love triangle? You know what I mean? Not saying you would necessarily want to, but like, show me a love, show me a love story. 
And and like, you know, like how many how many notebooks did the notebook sell? Like, show me a love story. And like, part of it is like <laughs> choosing you. And in, uh, and that's the other part of it is if you think about it right now, they they have chosen each other and it's just a question of will they get back to one another and can their relationship survive the challenges of leaping and that's good um but it's it's tough you know it's tough on the character of addison it's 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 a pleasure to write her and caitlin's an incredible actress um but you know i don't know what i bet all four of you have a different tolerance level for if the hologram, if Addison said, I'm so mad at Ray right now, like one of us might be like, he's leaping through time to save you. He's desperate to get back at you. Get over it, lady. And another person might be like, thank God she finally complained. Do you know, like, like, so, so it's a really fine line that you're walking with, with the character of Addison. Um, because, in my again, in my opinion, you, you don't ever want to. You just can't do the thing like, oh, they're so mad at each other. I mean, you can do it, but then you have to patch it up in the context of a leap. You have to do things that I think would feel forced, um, and so you have you're you're staying in a in a fairly confined lane. And also, P.S. Like you're asking your lead actress to not only not touch him. But, you know, we'll do the like she can sit in a chair kind of thing like that. But she's, you know, she can't interact with anything or anybody for most of the episode. She's, I mean, you know, asking an actor to stand on stage, do a monologue and not be allowed to move, uh, interact with any props is a scary exercise for any actor. We're, we basically ask it of Caitlin every week. And P.S. while you're doing it, give us exposition and then make us care about you. And I think she, I honestly think she does a wonderful job of it. I'm really proud of the job that the writer's room has done. I think, I think we've done a good job of, of portraying their relationship without it becoming one dimensional. I hope I, you know, I think, um, but it's, you know, it, it, it's a long way from Dean Stockwell and Scott Bakula in terms of, you know, they just got to sort of, they could zing each other. They could be this. They could be that. Like it's very different when it's it's fiancés. Well, you had mentioned that um, it can be somewhat difficult and even forced to you as a writer to have um, solutions woven into the storyline, and you have to put it within the context of the leap. And I think you guys um, actually got that down uh, particularly well in Fellow Travelers because there was a, a lot of uh, the same emotional dynamics going on between um, uh, Carly, I think was the name of the character there. And yeah, and I think you guys, I think with that mandate, you guys did a very good job in that episode of, of serving all of those Great. masters. But um, a few times you've talked about, you know, uh, picking a course for the season and staying in your lane. And uh, this season of Quantum Leap, seems to be predicated on a mystery uh, much like new star trek it seems like discovery especially they use a central mystery as the overarching story for each season 
And Quantum Leap being a show where every episode is different and it can be anything it wants. I mean, you're, you're talking about the, you know, you knew you were going to wrap up sort of this mystery by the end of the season. Does that necessarily mean that uh, season two could be different? Are you going to keep on? You might not be able to answer this, but are you going to keep on sort of sort of the, the, the overlying mystery formula? Or do you think that you might have a different dynamic going forward now that you do have a season two? I, I think I think what we're doing right now is saying do we want to do mystery again or do we want to do something else? Um, because, and, and, you know, actually thank you for that question because in a way it allows me to answer a little more of the former question, which is a mystery and a love story are two separate stories, right? Like, and ultimately in my opinion, the series, this series of quantum leap is a love story between Addison and Ben and like if in terms of like, let's say it's a five or six year or seven year, it's that's what we've set out for the audience. Like, because more than anything else, we've said, we what was the first scene? The first scene was their engagement and it was also their goodbye. So inherently, in my opinion, you're setting up a story where certainly until you conclude the love story, in my opinion, the love story is, the 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 sort of the thread that goes through everything um at the same time we've promised a mystery and so what you're doing is you're spending your time on the mystery as and you're sort of weaving the love story through it and when it comes to season two i think you know all bets are off in terms of do we want it to be another mystery will it feel um would it feel inauthentic if it was another mystery would it feel forced i mean you know we one of the things we talk about all the time is making sure we're making choices that feel natural and believable and human for the characters as they're experiencing things. Um, so in other words, if there were to be another mystery, and I'm not saying there is or there isn't, but our characters would then certainly have to comment on it. Do you know what I mean? It would like basically be like, I can't believe we solved that mystery. And now we're doing another one. It's sort of like in Die Hard, you know, when in Die Hard two or three, at a certain point, Bruce Willis has to say like, I'm done traveling on Christmas. Like Christmas doesn't work for me. So, but I also think what's unique about Quantum Leap is, okay, you're going to do a leap every week. What do you want the bigger story to be? You know, what do you want it? Do you want it to be a like, do you want it to be a mystery? Do you want it to maybe be a soap? Do you want it to be, uh, like I said, do you want it to be a thriller? Do you want it? And that's, that's what's really exciting about the show. I think that's actually something I didn't realize until we were fairly deep into the season and we started talking about what season two would be. And Martin and I were like, well, let's just take a big step back and just play the like, one of these creative games I'll play is kind of just blow things up and see what it would look like. So, and I say this like not to scare any actors, but it's like, what if this person died or what if this turned out to be the, like, you know, or, or what if you did the opposite? Like, and you don't do it to then do that, but you do it to free your mind up so that other things can slip in there so that you, you don't limit yourself. Um, and I'm really incredibly grateful to to get to do a season two because i think we can we can we can expand beyond the mystery if we choose to that's what i'll say 
Yeah, I was going to say before, uh, I think one of the most successful elements of the um, the love story is the chance for these characters to rediscover each other. Like, it's not just about the, the conflict, though there's, there's that element in there, but uh, I've really been enjoying just seeing these characters discover each other as the audience discovers them as well. Yeah. And I'm sure the writers. Yeah. It's, it's, um, and trying to find ways to make that organic and sort of feel right sized, you know, like, um, because as much as it would be fun to stop a leap and have like a 20, you know, we actually, you know, sort of at one point we tried to conceive of an episode where you were going to tell there's what we were going to do was the day that they had to tell magic, they were in love because, you know, this just in two people working on a secret project, falling in love, like no bueno, <laughs> like bad, bad for the project in lots of ways. Um, and so we had actually, we were working on an episode where you were going to see that in the past and it was going to tie into the leap in the present. Um, and just for various reasons, it didn't, it didn't work out. You know, I mean, I think, you know, there's, you know, another job of showrunner is to sort of be really good at coming up with something you like and then being like, okay, for this reason, we don't get to do it next. Do you know what I mean? Like there are, there have been a few episode ideas that we've floated to the network and the network's been like, no, for this reason. And I, you know, I'll say like their reasons are always very understandable. Um, but you know, because you're like, Oh, but I was so excited to do that episode. And they're like, well, you can't, and you're like, okay, next. You know what I mean? Like you just have to pivot right away. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, listen, I, I've always thought what attracted me to the, to the job, you know, because I, I had created a different show for NBC that I was preparing to turn into a series. And then, um, and then NBC picked up Magnum PI um, from CBS, like, uh, which makes total sense that they would, it's a universal show. And, but when they picked that up, I was like, Oh, that's kind of, you know, if a network schedule is say like a closet, you know what I mean? Like, and I was the little black dress. I was like, Oh, they just, they just, they just have a, they have a little black dress now. Um, and so I was like, okay, well that we're not going to do this show now. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. And they, when they first said quantum leap, I was like, Oh girl, you've always loved quantum leap NBC. I'm so jealous that you love it so much. No, I don't know. Like, just because that's what you do. when you're a creative person who's just been rejected. Like for a second, you're like, grr. and then, and then I read what Martin had done with the with what is now the first episode, and and that was really my first real exposure to the new version. And I read Addison Love's story. I read the mystery. I read the characters, and I was like, "This is great. This is this is the kind of storytelling I love to do." And then, and then I was I was in. So I was in for the love story. You had mentioned that um, there are things that you wanted to do, like showing the backstory between Ben and Addison. And um, I feel like that that would have been in um, an earlier time. You mentioned Trek earlier uh, before we got on mic. But um, I think that, um, you know, when you had shows that ran 24, 26 episodes a season, you had more time for that, that sort of filler 
quote filler stuff. Right. Do you think that modern TV that's a casualty of just the pacing and, and the shorter episode orders, or is there ways to still work that in? I think it's a. I do think it, it is a casualty. First of all, it is. You know, there's a, a thing you learn when you're making TV, which is most of the time. So you have to hit a time, right? It's 42 minutes and 23 seconds or whatever it is on network TV. There's no fudging in that, which is another sort of thing that's great, but it's also a limitation because like, what if, what if the 45 minute episode is great, but the 40, how do you make the 42, which, which three minutes do you cut? So um, invariably what happens is if you have a great 45 minute episode and they're like, okay, time to cut. The things that you end up cutting are the things that absolutely are like, you have to protect everything that tells the story, right? Like you can't lose a big piece of story. So then you start looking at these nice little quirky interstitial character scenes, you know, like one of the things that I used to love and I still do love is when there's a scene or there's even a monologue or a dialogue that's about nothing, but is pure character and really insightful and entertaining. And those are the things that you write. And then those are the things that you have to cut. Um, so that is a casualty, you know, in, in the, in the pilot episode of this season, um, the Nan Riss's character had a hilarious monologue where she was essentially trying to give a pep talk and it's a brilliant talk, but there's nothing pep about it. Like, it's just like, it's, 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 it's hilarious. I remember laughing out loud when I saw it um, in the 47-minute version. And in the 42-minute version, it had to go. Um, so um, what becomes fun is trying to figure out, okay, how do we, how do we put those things in, in in the context of the 42-minute story? And also audiences are very different. You know, like we, we are all a certain audience, this, this, this zoom right here, this I, what, Riverside right here, we're one demographic and, and by also we're a demographic where all four of you love the original quantum leap, right? So that's a certain pace of storytelling, a certain kind of storytelling, like, but there's a whole other audience out there that wants different kind of storytelling, different pace of storytelling, either gets bored quicker. And it's just, and that's just a reality. So you're, I think that's another thing you're, you're always looking to do is strike that balance between how do we give you character? Because I can tell you the writer's room loves character. We love writing the characters. Like it's, you know, the, I think if you asked every writer on our, amazing writers room by the way i mean like just really such a pleasure to work with them but in each one of their episodes if i was like what were your three favorite scenes they would be either fights or banter or heartbreaking moment or confession um so we love doing it it's just the you know the challenge and what we're trying to do and i think succeeding is to put it in there um in the context again of a leap and of a mystery um you know, a serialized mystery, I should say. So within that context and knowing all of those things that you're up against, of course, writing and art are always evolving. Are there things that have just evolved naturally um, within the storyline as it evolves in the writer's room that have, that, that you didn't anticipate that has surprised you? 
It's a good question because in a way, like one of the things about evolution is it's really only surprising when you look back on it, right? Because it's while it's happening, it's just you're like it's it feels really natural. I think, um, I think what's one of the things that's exciting about a world where fan feedback we see fan feedback so we can listen to your podcast and we can read some tweets and you i think you don't want to read too many because you can go down a rabbit hole of trying to please which you don't want necessarily want to do at the same time it is a unique thing to be able to see is it landing the way you wanted it to land um because sometimes things do land the way you want them to land and sometimes it's like oh wow i that landed completely wrong um, I would say the thing for, that has evolved the most for me is it's more like gradual understanding of what works in the world of the show Quantum Leap, what kinds of leaps work, and then what kinds of leaps either don't work or are much harder to do than you would think. Like there are genres that are harder to do than you might think. There are, you know, I would say, I, you know, there are, so, for example, we have a few leaps where the people that he's helping are a group, right? We In 108, it's a group of teens. In 105, it's a town. And I think that that, like, figuring out how to make those episodes land and resonate emotionally is a process because they're different than if it's just one person, right? Like, when the amazing Deborah Ann Wall, like, as playing Carly and Fellow Travelers, and when she realizes that, like, her, her sister has been kept from her, basically, like, she's been told lies about her sister. And I think what was really appealing to me about that is there's always a sense of, of guilt that you believed the lie, right? Like, like, no matter how much Carly's been misled, you have allowed yourself to be misled. You know what I mean? And... Again, we all relate to that. And you see it in Deborah Ann Wool, and you get a scene where she expresses that. In a group leap, that's a little tricky. How do you find those cathartic moments for the group? Um, and so I think that's, uh, that's evolved. But, uh, you know, what the most exciting thing that's evolved for me is realizing how many places we can take the show. You know, like, it's it strangely, if, if first blush, if you said, okay, they're going to bring Quantum Leap back, I would, you know, it feels like, oh, okay, well, given that you're going to have a leaper and some kind of hologram, there's only so much you can do. Now, you can do infinite number of leaps, and that right there is amazing like and exciting as a writer because you're, you like writing mystery? Write a mystery episode. You want to write a thriller? Write a diehard episode. You know, we've, we've got a... We've got a Goonies episode. We've got a Western. We've got we've got an '80s sort of like on the run bounty hunter. Um, but what I don't know that any of us realized is, like I said, what you can do with this group of characters. What and what larger stories you can do. Like, like what does it mean? to be the leaper. Like at a certain point, do you start to say, this is my life now? Maybe going home isn't something I should be focusing on. Like, what does that feel like to be like, how, how does Ben have a living experience as a time travel? You know, it's something we talk a lot about. It's something we're going to explore in season two, because really right now, 
Ben himself, it's like he doesn't really have any friends. He doesn't get to go to the movies. You know what I mean? He doesn't get to kick back on a couch. Like, he's been robbed of, of, of so much. He really is. You know, it's, he says it in that monologue in 109, and we explore it uh, throughout the rest of the season. He's really a man on, on either you could think of it as a man on an island, a man in a prison cell, a man up in space all alone. He's He's having a very unique living experience, and I think in season one, he's not really thinking about that because he's thinking about getting home. You know, assuming that we don't just bring him home and end the series, the start of season two, like, how does, you know, how do you start to turn it into a show where Ben is evolved? How do you start to, how do you give his, the character of Ben questions that you're not expecting us to ask you as an audience? I think that, so that's been the, the biggest surprise as the show has evolved, honestly, has been once we started thinking past the mystery, what you can do with it. And it gets really exciting. I'm excited to see that, too. I want to see how this evolves. I want to see how it keeps growing. That makes, that makes all of us. I mean, you'll definitely see some of it. We know, we know, <laughs> there's, we know there's, a, there's a season, too. So you'll – yeah. We, I, I, here's what I will promise you. We will make brave and bold choices. That's what I'll say. As a writer's room, as a writer's room and the network has agreed that like, let's take big swings and, 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 and hope people love them. Cause I think in its own way, the original quantum leap took a lot of big swings. It did it within the formula, but in terms of the issues it took on, you know, it was, and of course it was a different era, but it was a show that took a bunch of risks within its, the, within its sandbox. And I think, you know, Martin and I feel like in a way that's the way both to keep an audience excited um, and to do justice to the original creation is, you know, to boldly go. I know that's another show, but, you know, so. Does that include the musical episode? Uh, who? I mean, let's hope. <laughs> in, in, in Fellow Travelers, we we had wanted to do, and and this is a, a funny little. Uh, I'll tell you two anecdotes about how the sausage is made because I think like it's always. I, I always, at least as as a showrunner, and I'm going to be clear, co-showrunner because Martin is the heart and soul. Um, but I like how the sausage is made, and I like sharing how the sausage is made. Like, um, so in fellow traveler, you know, this just in: Raymond Lee is like a super talented guy in real life, like. He's like a fantastic drummer. He, like it, he, it's actually it's almost annoying that he's so talented at so many things. Um, and so we wanted to get him. So there's a scene where he and Carly go to the bar with her friends, um, and that was originally we were going to try to have her be like, here, like you want to be like me, like basically goad him onto stage, and then he was going to sing a song that would relate to him in Addison too, right? Like, in, and lo and behold, we just didn't have enough time and we just didn't have enough money. Like, we just actually weren't able to do that. Um, and, and, you know, another interesting thing about fellow travelers, we knew very early on the basic idea that he was going to be a bodyguard to a singer. Um, and then you tell your network and studio partners and then they're like, wow, there are lots of interesting singers we would love to be on the network. And so then you get that list and then depending on 
the actor you're going after, the genre of song, and I know Jamie mentioned this a little bit when she spoke to you, like that episode was first written even before I called her. We were first thinking like a Diana Ross type. So Drew Lindo actually wrote an episode earlier in the 70s, but much more sort of a Motown Diana Ross vibe. And then we didn't get, you know, we, like because the, they were trying to get a specific singer. And then that singer's schedule doesn't work. And so now you're trying to get a different singer. And then that requires you to change the genre and change the genre. And, you know, the nice thing is it, you always end up where you should. You know, I think like I, I've been a fan of Deborah Ann Wolves since the first season of True Blood. I just I think she was we've had some remarkable guest stars and I think it's something we're going to do more of. I think you'll be seeing some in upcoming episodes soon. Um, but, you know, we ended up exactly we ended up with a great song. We ended up with a great time period and a great actress. But to get there. Drew Lindo had to basically throw the episode out three times. And like, yes, the, some of the beats stay the same, but like all the dialogue changes, you know, the dynamics change. And that's, that's the kind of stuff that happens behind the scenes that people don't see that, that, that um, are why everyone who works on the show are heroes. You know, like I, we, the, our art department has to build a different world pretty much every week. And if you think about that, compare it to, let's say, a cop, you know, a cop drama or a courtroom drama, like they don't actually have to build the courtroom every week. So what we're asking is a small group of people. It's not a huge group crew. Please this week create a nuclear react the inside of a nuclear reactor control room in 1963. Go. Now they're building that. Now, while they're building that, they have to be planning like an Indian restaurant in 1980 in Portland. And then let's be clear, we have to figure out, okay, well, we, we don't have enough time to tear the power plant down and build the restaurant. So we're going to have to, we'll build the power plant, we'll find the restaurant. While we're in the restaurant, we'll tear the power plant down and we'll build the battleship. So there's the logistical puzzle of doing it, but when it's all said and done, the art department is a handful of people and they're doing this every week. And it's like, these are all the unsung heroes of this particular show because, you know, it's just, it's just such a big ask, like in terms of labor and creativity. And they, in my opinion, they do such a great job with, really challenging um just just a lot of limitations and meanwhile it, martin and i our job is to be like we love you art department but sorry we're doing we're doing uh we're doing an insane asylum episode we're doing a we're doing a nuclear power plant episode. like we love you sorry to make your life miserable but we have a responsibility to the audience to have been be in a different world every week. It's an incredible amount of work. Uh, um, I noticed that. Uh, well, I saw that the um, that the uh, Addison and Ben apartment set got converted to the balcony 
in episode the nine. Whole hotel room. I didn't even notice it was the same it set. Was the whole, the, yeah, the, the whole, whole hotel, hotel room. room. And yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That was, that was one of those things early on. Cause it, I loved that apartment. We all loved that apartment, but you know, you do stop and say, well, now hang on a second. This is a show about a guy who, we kind of we don't want him to get home because that could that might that might be the end of our show. <laughs> There's a lot of Real Housewives to watch, though. You can, how could you get rid of that? <laughs> but no, we I've watched them. They've repurposed that into the hotel room, into a nuclear power plant, into a battleship, into so many other things. Like I, it's incredible. It became a battleship. I'm not, yeah, I, do do yeah. keep talking. Yeah. That's amazing. I I'm, look, I'm not. I'm so this, excited. Spoiler alert: We are like we're going to do an episode that involves a battleship. I, I'm, that can be a giveaway. Um, I like it. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned yeah. guest stars: uh, Robert Picardo in the Leap Out in the last one. Yeah. Woo! Exciting it's, stuff for sure. It, it's it's fun to walk on as a. You know, as a producer, you walk on the set and you're like, wait a minute, you and you and you, like, I'm, I've loved you for 30 years. We saw that, and <laughs> that yeah, episode. Yeah, we saw that and we were all excited. We're like, oh, Robert Picardo. And then it's like, ooh, we could try and interview Robert Picardo. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that uh, you know, we've got, there's a, there's a, but yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a <laughs> we've been, you know, we've been fortunate with guest cast and we were fortunate that Justin Hartley and his wife, Sophia Pernas, like came on early. Um because I think it, you know, Hollywood's a business, this just in, and, you know, actors, representatives want to protect them. And, you know, like if you say, I'm going to guest star on a network TV show, like for a lot of people say, yay, but they're always the agent who's like, mm, like um, and so I think what's nice is we are a show that lends itself to having really interesting roles for guest stars you know like it's not just stay five lines and walk away um hmm. and and we've been able to get some good ones and also frankly they get to come and act with raymond lee which is you know watching watching i want to be clear watching the entire cast is amazing um but because we asked the most of raymond in in the role of ben um, we ask a lot of Caitlin too, but we ask in terms of like Raymond this week be, you know, this week be a 1981 bounty hunter woman who just turned out her fiance. We ask so much of him and watching him pull it off every week is really fun. And, and, and again, you feel good about bringing in guest actors who are great because you know, that you're you're bringing them in to work with people who they're going to be excited to be in a scene with, right? We were all very excited when we saw uh, Susan Dial in an episode because you know she's Beth from the original series. Is there any plans or opportunities, maybe, uh, or just thought in the future of uh, bringing people from the classic series on here and there, just just for us at home to jump off our couch for a second? I mean, listen, there's certainly, there's certainly possibilities to do it. I think what's worked about Beth and Janice, in my opinion, is that they've been really, each have been organic to the present, to the story we're telling, right? Like we're not going to Beth for no reason. You know, we're, we're going to Beth. First, it's about Janice, but then it's also revealing 
that like maybe she held Janice back, which tells you a little bit or sabotage Janice, which helps inform, you know, the Janice character. So I'll say this. I think we we like some of these characters a lot. Like we like Beth, we like Janice, and you know we're really at the planning stage of season two right now. So we haven't we haven't done much planning, but I think I wouldn't be surprised to see other people show up uh, just because um, just because we can we can do that. Well, season two uh, is going to be starting pretty soon, isn't it? The schedule is like, sounds kind of crazy. You know, one of the things about a television show in production is it's, it's more economical to keep going than to stop and take a break. Because when you stop and take a break, like the crew is technically out of work. So you're depriving them of earning a living. You might lose people to other shows, things like that, which is why, you know, like in streaming shows, like they'll, they'll write the whole season and then they'll just film the whole season. Like, um, and so what we, what we decided to do the network and the studios, you know, when they said we're really happy with how the, the show's performing, especially, you know, digitally too, and Peacock, and you know, we feel good about this audience. We're gonna we're gonna pick you up for a season two, and for a whole host of reasons, it would really be great for you to basically keep going. Um, so that's what we're gonna do. Essentially, we're just gonna we're gonna at least do part of season two, basically without stopping. So we're gonna go from, which is gonna which is an interesting challenge from a production standpoint. Like even because if you want to change make any big changes. You have to do it over the course of two days. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, we, we're we outlining the the first episode of season two. While as, you, as we all speak, we'll be working on the second episode uh, next week. Um, and I'm, I wish, I, I, having to wait till September or whatever for you guys to see it is, is going to be really, because I'm really excited for you all to see it. I really, I, you know, I'm really, there are certain things you get excited about in this job. Like you're like, Whoa. And I, I particularly like want to be the person like, let me tell the world this. And it's like, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited with where we're going. And I'm, and which isn't, I'm like, I'm really excited what we've done so far, to be honest with you. I really, I like our, I love our show. And I think it, I hope it feels like it honors the original. Um, and obviously every episode we do, we get to be more independent of the original. We get to establish our own brand. And I know that's, I know that's something that people have asked for and wanted to see. And I think that is the trajectory of the show. And so you'll just see more and more of it as we go. Cause you're frankly, you're just deeper into the story. You touched on a bit of an, an optimistic message there in terms of the the early renewal and, and moving straight on. And that's something I really wanted to ask about because um, those of us that have been fans for many years, we are used to Quantum Leap being the underdog. And in the early 90s, it was constantly under the threat of being cancelled. It was constantly being shifted around the time slots. When the new series got announced... There were fans out there everywhere saying this isn't going to last. It's going to get cancelled after a few day after a few episodes, and not because of lack of faith in the series, but just because of lack of faith in the Quantum Leap brand. Um, do you have anything to to say to the fans that are maybe still waiting for the other 
other shoe to drop? Well, I mean, what I'll say is this. I don't blame anyone for being skeptical about how any show is going to do nowadays because the truth is so many good ones get yanked after 10 episodes or 12 episodes. And and I'd like I, having created a few shows that got yanked pretty quickly that I, I felt I'm, I'm very proud of. Like I, it, hap- it happens to really – I like to think it happens to good shows. I don't like to think. It happens to most shows. Like I think the, the, the odds of a network show getting a second season, especially now because – the net, you know, the network landscape is filled with legacy shows that, have, let's say, have the audience they've had for ten years. And so, ten years ago, ten million people would watch a network show, a new one. And now, a modern network show is lucky to get, say, four million viewers. So now, let's be a network executive for a second and be like, "Well, I, I want ten million. Like, I'm selling advertising." And I've got these shows that have 10 million viewers. Your nice new show has 2 million viewers. I love you, but got to go. So um, I first start by saying I understand the skepticism um, for a new show. I understand the skepticism and cynicism about reviving IP. Um, and, you know, I mean, I years ago I, I worked on – the reimagining of the Manchurian Candidate, which, you know, was this beloved film. Um, and I remember thinking, you know, my first thought was like, is this blasphemy to sort of try to reimagine the story? Like, um, and let's be honest, it's like there have been some high profile television and film failures to, to, do, to do justice to the original material. So for all those reasons, I get it. I, what I'm excited about is, with the second season renewal um, and the second season re- renewed sort of similar to the first season in that there's an order with the potential for even more episodes depending on, frankly, just depending on NBC's schedule, which is more fluid than it used to be, right? The network is. But, you know, someone's going to be able to watch at least 31 episodes of this Quantum Leap. Like worst, ca- I mean, knock on wood. Like if everyone stays healthy, whatever. Like at least thirty-one episodes. And what I would say is, I understand wanting to have fifteen or twenty episodes to be able to stream before you commit, because I've had my heart broken a bunch of times of investing in a show for ten episodes and 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 losing it. So I'm I'm excited for that. And I'm. It was very. It's. I think Martin and I, all of us, are really grateful to our partners at NBC for doing that because frankly, to renew any show um, is a a bit of a leap of faith. It it just is like, you know, like it's easy to keep the shows on that, you know, are working because they're on season 23 Um, deciding we're going to, we're going to give you a season two because you're taking a slot away, right? You're taking a new show slot away. Um, and so I'm excited. Like I said, th- you know, we, we get 31 episodes to hook you. So if we can, if, if you don't love us after 31 episodes, I like we're we, we're just <laughs> we're just not for you. We're not for you. I remember I had a fan I think sent to me on Twitter some version of I tried your show for a few episodes. It's just not for me. And I was like, it's not for everybody. No, like there are shows we don't expect to be a show for everybody. Like if we're a show for everybody, that's we're not doing our job in a way like, um, and, and like I said, like taking risks means at times you're going to disappoint people. And at times you're not, you know, 
we're, we're, an episode may not come together the way you wanted it to. It's like, okay, well, we got to we, we got to air it. We took a big risk. You know, that hasn't happened to us yet, but it'll happen. I think you go look back at the original Quantum Leap, and if you really look at it critically, you'll be like, okay, let's be honest, that might have been a. I, I see what they were going for. We do that a lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know you guys do that a lot for sure. You're a tough crowd. <laughs> Uh, well, I, you know, with with those realities in mind that you were just stating about the network uh, landscape as it stands, I think uh, I can speak for all of us when I say that um, we were actually pleasantly surprised to hear about the early season two pickup. And I just want to say congratulations Thank to you. you and the entire team for the success, because it means a lot to us to have more Quantum Leap as well. Yeah, no, I, I, I thank you. That's a very nice thing to say. And like I said, I think it it was nice to be able to announce it when we did, you know, we, we'd sort of heard it was probably going to happen, but even that is, is something they consider now, frankly, like every, every announcement is considered every, you know, everything is strategically planned, including like, we know we want to renew you. When should we tell the world? And you're like, come out right now. Mm. Um, <laughs> but you know, they, like I said, the, the the goal for season two is to really make you say, wow, I hope they do 10 years of the show. Like, wow. Okay. I hope they do 10 years of the show. And NBC and, and our studio partners at Universal have said, go for it. We're with you. That's music to Leaper's ears everywhere. Yeah, like Chris said, that's music to Leaper's ears. That's uh, such a wonderfully optimistic note to end on. Um, we've been enjoying the show so far. We're really looking forward to seeing uh, where it goes. And we've really enjoyed having you on the podcast. So, My pleasure. Uh, Dean, thank you so much for, for giving us your time and sharing so much. Hopefully we'll have you on again uh, after the, the season's I'd, over where you can I would love that. share a bit more. I, I, would, I, I will be back after the season's over. I would, let's, just, let's just save the date now because that'll be fun. 